Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of Retire Smarter. Walter Sorrell here with Kevin Krosky today, President and Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, and joining us as well, Certified Financial Planner on the team, Tyler Emmerich. And we've got a great show today. We're going to be asking a lot of the questions that are probably on your mind as an investor, saver, and planner for your financial future, maybe for retirement. What are some of the top things people are thinking about? We're going to kind of talk shop a little bit on today's episode and discuss it all. But first, let's introduce you to the voices of the show. Kevin, I hope you are doing well, my friend. Great to talk to you once again. Always, Walt. My pleasure. Off the uh, July 4th long weekend, a lot of family fun. Looking forward to today. Any fireworks involved on your side of things, Kevin? Well, yeah, we did see some fireworks. Um, oh, I don't know. Over the weekend, unfortunately, uh, our town here in Ohio, uh, Akron, had to cancel their fireworks due to a very unfortunate event. I want to kind of derail things, but it's probably people are familiar with it if they're listening locally, and even if it's uh, if they're not local, they may have seen it on the national news. But nonetheless, we had a good family fun weekend together. Glad to hear that, and looking forward to your perspective on the show as always. Tyler, great to have you back with us once again. You've been all right? Yeah, I've been doing well, Walter. Happy to be here. Awesome. Great to hear it. Uh, it sounded like you wanted to share a fireworks story. I could just feel it coming. <laughs> Nothing too exciting. Um, very similar to Kevin. Yeah, we just spent time with the family. Um, I think we hit up like three different parks this weekend, which is always nice. I got a little toddler, so... She loves running around, climbing, and you know, uh, I just chase her around and try to keep up. That's awesome. Great, great to mm-hmm. hear. Keeping you busy. Fantastic. Well, let's dive into things, guys. I got to think that one of the top questions on the minds of investors and, and you know, folks that you're working with on a daily basis right now, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners to this show, is going to be with all of this market turmoil recently and the feeling that things just kind of keep going down, 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 not really knowing what the future is going to hold. Uh, I imagine a lot of people are wondering, should we sell out at this point or should we decrease risk? Kind of like what should be that immediate move? Are you hearing questions like that? And if so, how are you handling them? Yes, Walt, uh, we're, we're getting it quite a bit. Um, you know, as you can imagine, we've had a, a market that has been in pretty much a steady decline uh, since the end of uh, last year. So we're going on, say, six, seven months of uh, you know some pretty negative news. And I think... You know, you put that in perspective more frequently than not. I think this, uh, things like this happen and we do have pullbacks. Uh, Kevin actually created a nice little quiz for uh, the families that came in over the summer um, that, you know, kind of tested and brought to light like how often pullbacks like this happen. Um, and, you know, when we walk through that quiz, I think, you know, some families have heard it before and, and they got it, but, you know, a pullback of say 20% or so happens. Uh, what was it, Kevin? I think. Uh, twice uh, or once every six years uh, is what that that quiz came out to yeah every six years and then you know a 10 percent decline at least the way this was uh, constructed um, about you know it's pretty much a yearly occurrence um, so volatility is normal right I mean it's the same reason that we should get you know higher expected returns from from owning risky assets compared to safe ones Mm-hmm. But does it probably doesn't make you feel any better when families are seeing their accounts drop like they they are. Um, and so we're, we're really feeling that. And obviously, um, we, we hear that quite a bit. And we, we understand. Um, and, and it's tough. Um, you know, I had a family that uh, recently uh, actually retired in January. You know, as you can, I, obviously, I hear it. But I think, you know, from a a timing standpoint, um, you know, January, we hadn't had much of a pullback. And then six months later, you're trying to get acclimated to retirement. And then, wow, you see your accounts down, um, you know, quite a bit. 
So I think going through times like this now, probably more than ever, uh, having some type of plan or some type of data that we can rely on um, to help take some of the the emotion out of it, I think I think really helps. Um, you know that family uh, that I mentioned, they're in their early 60s, uh, so by all intents and purposes, retiring fairly early. And we spent most of last year going through the numbers and, and, and really making them feel comfortable about the decision. And then wham, right? Um, you know, market like this and they see their accounts drop. And I think it was very helpful in their situation specifically where we were able to pull up like the plan from last year and take a look. And we run what's called a, a bear market test on everybody's uh, plan every year. And what that does, you know, just as how it sounds, it tests against bear market and kind of says, well, how would the plan work? And would anything need to be changed if uh, we've seen a very significant pullback in the market? And, you know, sure enough, when we looked at that report, um, the account values, they weren't down quite as much as what that report showed, uh, but the account balances were down low. And then when we showed the results and the goals and them not having to change, I think it was very, very impactful in their situation, especially to kind of say, all right, let's look at these numbers. Let's see how they they look, we plan for this, and it really helps, um, you know, kind of go into these decisions and these meetings with a level head and kind of say, okay, uh, we can get through this because it's a challenging time. There's no, no doubt about it. Yeah, the um, the preparing is always incredibly important. I think with financial planning, with investment planning, you know, you name it, just life in general, like spoken from a planner anyway, that whose mind works that way. But um, it's the, uh, the often quoted Yogi Berra, making predictions, especially about the future is difficult, right? So nobody has that crystal ball. Whenever we do go through the planning process, you know, we kind of stress test the worst case fear of, you know, somebody you know, feeling like their retirement causes a big bear market to happen. And, and, you know, Tyler's got a very recent case just kind of walking through that. But we have to plan. We can't predict. Sure, we may um, go ahead and, and kind of, you know, favor certain things in our investment portfolio in light of ex expectations, but nobody knows what's going to happen in the next six or 12 months. When you think about, you know, this, the question specifically, should we sell out or decrease risk? You know, it's you just can't time the market like that. The biggest up days are always after the biggest down days. And if you're just out, you know, for some of those, you end up missing a lot of the return for the market. So you kind of take the risk. You got to stick around for the return said another way. And now I don't know what it is about investing, but it just always seems like it's this counterintuitive thing. You know, I was, uh, you know, out shopping with, you know, with my wife. We had uh, my sister in town visiting us for kind of the holiday and she was you know so we have built-in babysitter right so you know mom and dad are going to go out and get brunch together we did a little shopping at the mall i needed some work shirts and you know i got these these uh, shirts at macy's and, and they were on a discount and i put in a discount code save and i saved even more on top of the already discounted price so well i don't know about you but i felt like man that's a good value right and then you know you look at when stock prices go down 20 percent, like they have you know a broadly speaking, you know, year to date mm -hmm. and, you know, people start saying, oh man, you know, should I get out? Should I do something different? Well, you know, again, the forward looking expectations now, you know, look a lot better. Who knows what's going to happen over the next, you know, one, three, six months or whatever. But the fact that they're cheaper today, you know, all else being equal meets higher expected returns going forward. So candidly, we would never, <laughs> we would never sell out or decrease risk. It just, you know, doesn't make sense, you know, in response to something. 
certainly we may go ahead and you know change our risk profile whether we're increasing or decreasing in in light of future return expectations in light of the client's financial plan the return that they need how much risk they can afford to take uh but you know you want to be proactive you don't want to react if you react it's too late it's already in the price it just doesn't make sense well and two things to add to that kevin i mean it's um Everybody can fall victim to this. I mean, Walter, Kevin was just giving me a hard time not two weeks ago because I said six to 12 months when I was talking about returns. So even uh, even I can fall victim and us um, investment managers can fall victim to you know some of those emotional biases. And I think having some type of process in place is very important or having someone like Kevin to bring you back and say, hey, you can't predict the market. Let's make sure we stay long-term and, and, and don't uh, overpromise and try to pretend that we can do something that we can't. <laughs> well, we knew, Kevin, that you were meticulous and uh, very attentive when it comes to detail uh, and those kinds of matters, but I never had you pegged for a couponer. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is going to be very embarrassing, but hey, you know, we, if you can't laugh at yourself, well, you know, life is too short. <laughs> But back in the day when I was in college, my college roommates called me Coupon Krosky because there was <laughs> this Mexican restaurant that I loved that would always put these little coupons. And hey, when you're in college, you know, you're on a budget and us Kroskis tend to be fairly frugal uh, to boot. So yeah, Coupon Krosky. Even, even when I dated my wife, there used to be, I'm sure a lot of you probably remember something called The Entertainment Guide. I would buy that book and I would take it. Tyler's like, oh no, she married you after you did this? Yes, she did, Tyler. She's coming for the same cloth but i took that out on our first date as well oh that walter he used awesome. to give me it walter he used to give me so much trouble about showing a goat at the county fair so now i got coupon cross cross in my back pocket <laughs> yeah I'll you're in you good what, shape my um, friend you know just building up the ammo so no, this podcast has been well worth it already <laughs> hey, a, a dollar saved is a dollar earned right kevin yeah amen that's awesome I love it. All right. So risk, obviously, big piece of the puzzle. People are wondering about talking about it. Lots of questions in that realm. I imagine something else that's kind of stirring up in people is kind of this conversation about uh, cash versus bonds. And I, I mean, I just feel like bonds are kind of getting, you know, trashed in the news right now and saying, boy, people, uh, you know, people, if you're holding bonds, you're in big trouble. That seems to be some of the messaging that I've seen out there. Um, is there a reason to still hold bonds over cash in a moment like this? Are you guys getting questions about that? Sure. Um, I tell you what, I'll, we'll take turns here, Ty. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start this one. But, you know, if um, everybody holds some cash, right? So, you know, there's already cash, whether it's typically down at the bank, maybe a little bit in your investment portfolio. Um, you know, the, the academic studies will show over time there tends to be a pretty high cost to holding cash. They call it cash drag or something of the sort. So we're not big proponents in just holding hordes of cash. You know, just more of an appropriate amount. Um, an appropriate amount can vary for different people, but I'll put this in the context of uh, the retirement plan. You know, when whenever you know we're doing those stress tests, like Tyler just mentioned, um, we need to know where our income is going to come from for the next few years. So, you know, if you have um, say a, an incredibly well-funded retirement plan, um, kind of a Fort Knox plan, if you will, then maybe you, you don't need any more cash than kind of just what you have in your bank account to facilitate, you know, kind of monthly expenses. And maybe you can be all stocks, but, you know, most clients, we have a lot of clients that, that they can't afford that luxury and, and do need to have some, you know, higher quality assets, cash, bond-like assets that they can draw from. So, you know, whether it's, you know, the money that you're going to need for the next three months or six months or five years, you know, typically that's not coming from the stock portion of the portfolio. And as you go out in time, you know, you, you 
can, you know, you think of um, interest rates in terms of mortgages is probably the best example I can think of. You know, everybody's had a mortgage, you know, probably over the lifetime. Walt, what can you tell me about the relationship between the 15 and the 30 year mortgage? Which one's higher typically? Uh, you're going to get the, the higher interest rate. It's going to be the 30. Yeah. So 30 years. So if they're going to lend money for a longer period of time, you're going to pay a higher rate. And, um, you know, kind of the fancy phrase for this is kind of the yield curve. You know, so shorter term rates are typically lower. And then you go out to longer maturities, be it 15 or 30 years, and the yields tend to be higher. And, you know, that's that's almost universal, but there's, you know, certain moments when in time when maybe that's not the case. And, and you may hear the phrase yield curve inversion or something like that. But as you related... <laughs> I thought that was my computer messing up. I was like, oh no, I ruined the entire podcast. <laughs> it caught me off guard. Well, okay, well, I, I'll take it. Coupon Krosky own that one. Um, but my point in bringing this up is, you know, typically you can think of, um, you know, maybe a five-year bond providing your income in five years out uh, that over time that will generally provide a higher return on the bond portion of your portfolio, um, you know, kind of matches your assets to your liabilities or your, your cash flows. But in general, you know, it works. Um, you know, you definitely don't want to hold cash from a market timing perspective like we talked about. But, you know, if you're in retirement or close to it, you know, your money has a purpose and it's always kind of matching in it to those lifestyle spending goals, anything that's not being met by your social security or pension. What do you think, Tyler? No, I ditto everything that you had mentioned. I would add the point um, that when you think about retirees' income and, and some families, I'm sure they're listening to this, have some type of like automatic distribution set up from a 401k or an IRA and they're receiving that distribution on a monthly basis, You know, having the ability to go in and say, well, wh- what type of investment or which mutual fund or ETF uh, inside of my uh, account am I actually drawing from and pulling in that from I think becomes extremely important in, in times like this as well and the question becomes is do you have that capability uh, inside your accounts I know some 401k plans they do uh, what's called aggregation rules meaning that it has to pull equally from all investments inside of the account or do you have it set up maybe in an IRA and it's pulling from the stocks well you maybe alluded to it a little bit there where you said, well, do we want to be selling out of the stocks right now? Or would there be other investments that you hold that uh, would be more keen or better places to potentially pull from during this time? And that's really all I think I wanted to add on that one. Yeah. I guess the one other thing that comes to mind too, when I think about this is just, I mean, if you're putting money in cash right now, if you have money in cash, you know, you're with inflation being as high as it is, you, you are losing money. I mean, you're not losing your principal, but you are absolutely uh, guaranteed losing your purchasing power because inflation is increasing, you know, at an annualized rate around 8% or so. And, you know, maybe you're earning 1% on your cash yields. And, you know, if that's in a taxable account, then you're paying tax on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're definitely losing money on a purchasing power. And, and that's one of the things that, um, you know, I don't know about you, Tyler, but I've just found it's, it's kind of reframing for a lot of people when they initially start this retirement planning journey and thinking about this and, and they think they may need to preserve their their principal, and and I quickly just you know educate them and say it's really about preserving your purchasing power, and making sure that you're able to maintain the lifestyle that you become accustomed to, over all the years that you live. Well, and two, I think well, it was a couple of years ago when we went through um, March of 2020 uh, and the COVID hit, and you know the S and P 500 I think fell 
you know, quite a bit more than what it, we have seen here over the last, say, six months, but it was a much faster drop, uh, shorter time period lived. But during that time uh, when the families were coming in and we were updating plans, one of the comments that we actually put on our um, meeting agendas when we met with the families was, you know, giving them an idea of how much uh, of their portfolio was in those uh, more interest-bearing or safer accounts that uh, tend to have less volatility and how long could they specifically pull from those positions inside their accounts. And I think some families had upwards of eight to 10 years, if I'm remembering correctly, of uh, you know money uh, just from a diversified portfolio that they could pull from before they ever had to dip into the actual stock piece of their portfolio. Yeah. Said another way, we I like to call this runway. How much runway do you have before you have to start yeah. you know, you know, selling stocks? Mm-hmm. Great points across the board, guys. So we've got conversations about cash, bonds, decreasing risk. Uh, what about, I can imagine, with the volatility, with things going in a negative direction for many people, maybe there's some interest in more predictability. So what about fixed interest rate products right now? Should those be considered? Are you getting questions about those as well? I know I am, uh, Kevin. I mean, um, I, I think it's only natural to think that way, especially as you see your accounts go down. And it's like, you know, thinking, well, should we consider those uh, fixed rate, um, we'll call them products, uh, you know, CDs, um, fixed annuities and, and things of that nature. And I think when we I start a conversation around that, I think it's always important to go back to the, you know, why, well, what's changed and, you know, why are we considering these when we didn't, uh, you know, say last year or the year before uh, when maybe the markets were in a little bit better place. And not only the why behind it, but how does it fit into that that plan? Um, you hear say plan quite a bit on on the podcast, and um, I think when I joined True Wealth over four years ago, I think that was one of the things that was very very appealing to me was you know all our decisions, uh, investments included, um, all come from a plan, right? And what does that plan tell us, and how can we use it to better make decisions? And you know when you start you know committing yourself to these fixed products, you're giving something up. There's a cost. Uh, to that to get that fixed rate of return. Sometimes that's in the form of rate of return over the long term. Um, so when you look at your plan, what rate of return do you need to get on your money to, to make your plan work? And do those two numbers jive? Um, and not only that, we got to look at it from a liquidity standpoint. A lot of times when you start talking about fixed products, again, you have to give up some type of liquidity uh, to get that fixed rate of return. How does that um, giving up that liquidity fit into your cash flow needs and your overall portfolio and not really losing sight of, of that big picture. Oh, really good points, Tyler. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, <laughs> always makes sense to remind people too is just like, hey, you know, obviously uh, bonds and interest rates are kind of uh, inverse. It's like a teeter-totter relationship. So as interest rates have moved up pretty swiftly this year, obviously bond prices have come down. But you know, those yields are a lot higher now. And so, it, you know, it's, it's now we're investing today, you know, in those you know, types of, in, you know, bond type investments where you can expect a lot more going forward because the yields are higher. And studies will show that, you know, the starting yield or technically the yield to maturity um, will explain more than 90% of the return that you're going to get, you know, over that, uh, the, that horizon. So, you know, it's, it's, 
to go into a fixed rate product, candidly, there's <laughs> part of me is like, oh man, somebody went to a, a, a slick uh, indexed annuity or fixed annuity sales uh, event. But you know, if you're going to use a type of investment like that, and not like it's terrible. I mean, we have some clients where you know they do have some of those preferences. They don't like seeing that kind of move around, and we'll present them with a couple options. But you know, if there's an insurance company that, that's in there, obviously they're going to be making um, their spread. Then they're going out and you know buying the underlying bonds that you could buy yourself. So now there's more cooks in the kitchen. And generally speaking, over time, that's going to be, you know, fewer dollars or fewer pennies resulting to, you know, the end investor. So, you know, everything moves, you know, nothing stays fixed. Interest rates move around like we've seen, you know, yields move around, stocks certainly move around and have a much bigger wiggle factor. But if we can always just come back to the plan and just kind of think about, you know, whether it's the retirement plan or the investment plan, and we have a purpose for every asset that we own, and we know where income's coming from, you know, the first half was tough. But you know, prospectively, I think things are going to look a lot better for fixed income investors. Um, we saw something similar. Uh, you may remember back in, um, I can't even remember these years kind of meld together over time. But um, the Fed taper tantrum back uh, circa kind of 2013 or so when they started raising rates pretty quickly. And bond returns were, were quite a bit negative for part of the year. And then, you know, they earned, you know, quite a bit in the, in, in the second half because now, you know, the rates increases really kind of, you know, petered out um, and uh, we now have those higher yields. So it's not all bad news for bond investors. It was certainly a tough, you know, first half of the year, but prospectively, you know, things are going to look a lot better. Um, the only case would be, so obviously, if they continue to move in the direction with the, with the pace that they have, then, you know, Certainly, we could experience some more pain, and while we can't predict that, I think you know the market has already priced that in. It's only a new surprise uh, that would further compel those rates to go higher and uh, drive bond prices down further. All good points across the board, it sounds like, guys, and I know we've covered a, a wide array of topics so far. Uh, maybe perhaps we can move in one more direction, and that would be you know, just the, the general conversation about moving money. I mean, is it a bad time to do that? Uh, wouldn't you be selling investments at a loss if you were to do that? Or how can you do it effectively? How do you navigate those waters with folks? Uh, yeah, no, good, great question. Um, I just had this come up a couple of times in the last week. Um, so I candidly, I think there's a bit of an opportunity here. Um, you know, again, whenever let's, let's say if we have a new client that is, you know, moving, you know, assets over to us, we're starting a relationship. Those assets, you know, come over what we say in kind. So they own everything that they own now. It transfers over, or you know, maybe they already hold assets at TD Ameritrade, Fidelity Schwab, Pershing, you know, all custodians that we work with, and they just appoint us as advisor to that. And then we can go ahead and kind of begin to incorporate what they currently own into what they we feel that they should own. That's ultimately going to be tied back to you know their their financial life plan. Um, for anybody that that has assets outside of a retirement account, I, I really think it's a great opportunity because you know you may own some things that you maybe don't want to. You know, there's some tax losses to be realized, and then we can more efficiently you know reallocate in a better portfolio moving forward. So uh, we have a few of these right now where we're kind of working through, and 
I don't know about you, Tyler. One of the things I get into sometimes is, is, is somebody kind of bought and, and they're seeing these losses and um, maybe they had for some things that they purchased, particularly more of the growth oriented stocks. And they're like, well, you know, I mean, should we just wait? And, you know, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately things are kind of repriced in the market, you know, factors in all those expectations. But um, it's not like we would ever get somebody out of the market necessarily and, and reinvest. You know, we're making a transition pretty efficiently. So we're not having those gaps, but what are, what do you been dealing with, Tyler? Right. Well, well, and as you think about that, it's really asking yourself again. I think it's been proven, and there's a lot of data out there that we, we can't time it, uh, the market, and um, you know, putting a short term hat on and thinking that way, and you know, saying, hey, if it's falling a lot, I think you mentioned the tech uh, or growth oriented stocks it's got to bounce back at some point, right? And I don't necessarily think that's the right approach to take. I think it's more so, hey, let's um, you know not get caught up in the short term. Let's think long term and say what type of portfolio is going to position me uh, and uh, put me with my best foot forward uh, going forward. Um, and it's hard to... Um, it's hard to, to think that and take some of that emotion out of it. I think we did a podcast a few weeks ago on some of those emotional, we call them biases or mental traps. And that would be one of them that I think we discussed, but always want to be thinking long-term. Yeah. And it, you know, if somebody has, you know, I don't know, just say hypothetically, they had a 60% stock target or, you know, a portion of their portfolio before we started working together, then they come over and, and maybe we maintain the same amount you know, overall stock risk, hypothetically, but we may just prefer to own some different assets. So it's not like we would necessarily change it unless it was truly imprudent or, you know, as it's kind of dictated from the financial plan. Again, it all comes back to that, you know, what's the required return that they need? How much capacity for risk do they have? Um, what are return expectations uh, as well? You know, certainly as stocks and bonds sold off, you know, expectations for both are now higher. But then also simple rebalancing, Kevin. Right? I mean, just yeah. take, you know, having an opportunity to rebalance the portfolio. I find so many families, I think, lose sight of that, and that's like such a, a an important tool. I mean, the vast majority of performance is going to come from simply rebalancing uh, the accounts and ensuring that that risk level is maintained. Yeah, and, and, and nothing is you know kind of formulaic necessarily. I mean, we had a client that took a sizable distribution for a house closing recently, and and you know they were concerned about oh no we're we're selling when and we were, we were taking the money out when you know the market's down. I said you know no worries, we're not locked into this. We can be flexible and. You know, ultimately, what we did, we we took from some assets that had been up in price, and we kind of you know tweaked their portfolio to maintain a similar dollar allocation to stocks, but it was now a higher percentage of their portfolio. Um, but we kept those uh, the same dollars invested in the stock asset classes that had declined the most. So, you know, nothing. You can always kind of think through this. You know, there's. I'd say the only thing you maybe have to be a little bit cautious about is if you're rolling money over from a 401k and, and you can't do that in-kind transfer. Um, the market's not incredibly volatile right now, but if it were like during the periods of like March of 20 or 2008, 2009, um, you know, it's, it's the same reason, like we said before, why you don't want to go to cash. Um, you know, the market, the biggest up days come after the biggest down days and, and you just got to need to be a little bit more careful there. So if that were I don't think we're in one of those environments right now, but if, if things did get that volatile, sometimes we will do that in just, you know, maybe two chunks or something just to diversify the risk um, or just wait till markets calm down a bit. 
Well, that's all the uh, the major questions that I had for you guys. Uh, any other reminders or to dos that people should kind of have on their on their list over these? I don't know what's our timeline like next couple of weeks or or months or I guess we're just in a period where we'll kind of have this heightened sense for a while with while the market's uh, so wonky. Yeah, if I had if we had the crystal ball, we could tell you the timeline. Well, um, <laughs> but um, you know, there's there's always things. That, I mean, what we say is generally for our clients the three things we do year in year out. You know, we we do their financial planning, the retirement planning. Uh, we do their investment planning, make sure that's tied back to their financial plan and, and, and keeps them on track. Um, and then we do their tax planning and tax prep so that it's always ongoing. You know, whenever markets sell off, you know, there are some tax loss harvesting uh, to be done, you know, similar to what I kind of talked about in, you know, in kind of making a transition and maybe pruning the portfolio a little bit. Um, you know, certainly I remember March of 20 and we executed a lot of um, Roth conversions after the market had sold off. I think, you know, kind of got it going in March and executed in April. So we're, we're, we're not doing that just yet um, for some different reasons I won't go into. But, you know, you, you kind of keep an eye on these things and uh, maybe you need to fast forward some things you're planning on doing in the fourth quarter to now. But it's always those things and there. You push on one domino and the other two are going to fall over, too. But it's all those things you kind of got to keep in front of you. You, you got to take a, you know, a, a very logical approach to what you're doing, a very process driven approach. Make sure you stay on track. But, you know, we talked about um, some income planning today and some questions that people have. But if anybody wants to listen more, we did a series on retirement income planning. It's kind of related to much of what we talked about today, but I think they, that was back in 2019. It was a four-part series, and I know a lot of people have listened to it and have, uh, have brought it up in conversations we've had over the years. That might be a good next step if somebody wants to learn more. Well, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate that. And you can also always schedule a time to meet with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth Design team by going to truewealthdesign.com and clicking on the Are We Right For You button to schedule a 15-minute call with an advisor on True Wealth. Again, you can do that by going to truewealthdesign.com and click on the Are We Right For You button, or you can call the old-fashioned way, 855-TWD-PLAN, 855 855- And that contact info is in the description of today's show, so you can find it easily as well. Tyler, Kevin, thank you both for the help. We got Coupon Kevin, Coupon Krosky out of today's episode. Fantastic. Maybe we need to make a little liner for that. Whenever you talk about like saving a dollar or something like that, Kevin, we can trigger the. <laughs> I'm okay not advertising that. I mean, it's out I like there. It won't. All right, we'll, we'll just keep the egghead alert then, and uh, let that let that still be the one in our back pocket. Uh, well, thank you guys. We appreciate the help and the time, and thank you so much for taking time out to listen to the show today, folks. And we'll see you again next time, right back here on Retire Smartly. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.